Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our socials and Discord. Happy listening. This week we went out for a date night, Mm -hmm. which was fantastic. We went out for dinner and we got sushi. Yeah. And oh my God, it is so expensive. Yeah. Everything, everything is so expensive (laughs) these days, it feels like. But food just like... It really makes me mad, especially when we go grocery shopping or we want to splurge and go out on a date and we want to have something we really enjoy like sushi, which has always been a more expensive thing. But I feel like it has gone up so much since we first yes. started dating yes. that it's insane. And like respectfully so, because we have also noticed that groceries are so expensive. <laughs> so obviously, if the food is expensive, then restaurants are going to have to you know, be expensive charge yes. more yeah but i just think of it like yes it's enjoyable um i love food a lot like <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not arguing that at all i love food but it just really irritates me because i can't help but think that food is just poop that hasn't been made yet <laughs> so it's just like we're just it's overpriced poop that we're paying for <laughs> food is just it's overpriced shit. Yeah, really. Like I know like some you enjoy more than others, but it's just it's like when you pay a lot of money for for a beverage, too. It's just like this is just going to become pee, but it's so expensive. Like I just wasted so much money just on, on pee on pee. Like it, when we were drinking all the time, right? Like in our younger, earlier 20s and we're drinking all the time, you spend so much money on alcohol and you're just peeing constantly. <laughs> like it's like I just spent so much money for to go to the bathroom it's, all the time. It's all about perspective. <laughs> <laughs> we like talking about movies and TV or TV and movies because we're the bee's knees. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start this week by admitting my own fault mm-hmm. in, uh, so we, we started a Punisher series segment of this show Yeah, and we were like, we're starting with episode one and two and I made a mistake, Brittany. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I could have sworn I selected season one, uh-huh. but I did not. I know. Like, I'm sure everybody's had that moment where... They are watching a show and then they go and they return to the show. But where they're starting to watch, things are happening that don't make any sense where you yep. left off. And yep. so this was happening and we're thinking, well, maybe it's one of those like fake outs where it's showing you some really intense action. And then it's going to, you know, go back in time and say like, yeah. oh, three days later S- earlier or something. Similar to the, the first episode we watched where it's yeah. like, what is going on? Oh, it explained it after. We were sitting there for about 15 minutes. Just go to episode three. I don't remember any of this. What's going on? So then I went back to episode two. And I was like, this does. Did we only watch one episode last week? Your retelling of this is so much more mild than the actual incident. (laughs) It was you're sitting there all like, it's going to make sense soon. And I'm just like, no, none of this makes sense. The opening credit scene or the opening like whatever title sequence happens and it's still in this tense so your theory is wrong (laughs) and you're still sitting there like 
it's fine. Don't like, worry. It'll all sort itself like, out. Like, it's got to make sense. This is episode three. We're on episode three. And I'm like, this isn't right. And you're like, <laughs> all right, calm down. And I'm just like, well, if you hadn't have just gone back and just checked it, like I asked the first time, <laughs> then we wouldn't be here. And of course, I had to find these episodes online because it's off Netflix and not quite on Disney. Yeah. So it was just like complicated. Yeah. So I looked through episode two, still unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Looked through episode one. This didn't happen in episode one. What did we do? So I yeah. looked it up online. The real kicker was we <sighs> saw Karen. Yeah, we saw Karen And when Karen we were like Page. trying to figure out what was going on, and Karen's there, and we're like, Karen definitely was not <laughs> in the episodes we watched. So what's going on? So I looked it up online, and I, just, I looked at you. I was like, Brittany, we fucked up. We started with season two. I know. And everybody is so kind because nobody reached out and said like, hey, maybe this stuff isn't making sense. And they didn't explain who the Punisher is because you're watching season two, you dumbasses. (laughs) But now we can start again because we watched actual season one. Yeah. So that leads to the second mistake to apologize for. I had... Uh, posted on Twitter and our Instagram saying kind of what our schedule was for this episode so that if people wanted to watch things that they hadn't yet just so that they could listen and enjoy the episode then they had that opportunity Um, so obviously I thought we were watching uh, episodes three and four and discussing those that was wrong (laughs) false (laughs) also I am one for continuity I like to keep things kind of the same and so uh, when we were watching Daredevil, we always talked about a new thing in the beginning, first half of the episode, and we always finished our episodes with Daredevil. So we thought Punisher is going to be the same way. I said we were going to start today with Batman and then end the episode with Punisher. That's not the case. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a lot easier for you guys to listen to if you don't have to cut out the spoiler if you're not wanting to listen to that and then come back for the end of the episode to get the Punisher content. Yeah, we're going to talk about Punisher first, Mm -hmm. spoiler-free Batman, and then finish it off with spoiler Batman. Exactly, yeah. So there will be timestamps down in the description to let you know what part is what and where to stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled for the Batman. All right, so Punisher, season one, episodes one and two. Yes. Let's talk about those. Now that we have watched the correct episode one and two, mm-hmm. it's a lot more familiar to me. Yeah. There's the introduction of him just like the stone cold busting brick all day at the construction yard. Mm-hmm. That I remember. I, I didn't remember, remember anything of season two. Yeah. Apart from, I think I, think I remembered the bathroom fight scene. Mm. But everything else, none of it. Yeah. I really liked how, like, the episode one and episode two are almost, like, completely different stories. Like, episode one really shows us who Frank Castle is now. You see him tortured by the memories of his family. You see him just using the construction as an outlet for his anger, just whacking a wall all day. Just anything to kind of take his mind off of his family. But every night he is tormented by what happened to his family yeah and um and so that's the main point i think of of episode one is just to show us this tortured person yeah as well as 
show that he still wants to help people though right like we have that yeah, kid there's there's the kid that gets caught up in the wrong crowd and he initially starts trying to befriend Frank mm-hmm. and he says whatever you're looking for that's not me yeah and true but at the same time when he was at a moment of severe crisis Frank came through and pretty much solved the problem for him yeah he very overkill took out these three dudes who were gonna just like well they were assholes the whole episode yeah they were assholes and they were just gonna turn around and just like bury him in concrete yeah but like he busts their legs he hits them in the spine with a sledgehammer honestly that that scene was so satisfying just because of how much of an asshole they all were. Yeah. And, like, it was just, like, you're watching it, right? And you know that, like, our hero character is badass. Yeah. And he's really, like, holding back and not really responding at all to these jerks. And they're all like, I could take you in a second, so watch your back, buddy. You you don't want me as an enemy. Exactly. And it's, like, hard to take him seriously because we know that he could just, if Frank wanted to, just fuck him up. And then he did. So it was kind of satisfying. I'm not going to lie. But it was also, like, odd to see. Not only did he solve the immediate threat, but he's just like, where... Where are the people who are going to make this a yeah, bigger issue? exactly. And he went and took out this mob base. Mm-hmm. So he, for no other reason than to help this guy. Yeah, like he did hear a little bit about, you know, his upbringing and how he was raised by his grandma and he's doing yeah. this job because he has to pay for his grandma's medicine and all this stuff. And this kid really just wants to fit in and he's a good kid and he's a kid that's the point like he's just a young guy like i'd say what like 18 maybe or like early 20s something like that and so he's just trying to fit in with someone get through this like probably not very fun job (laughs) it's a lot easier if you're working with people that you're kind of friendly with right yeah so he wants to have someone there that he can you know help fill his days and be friendly with and he's not getting it with Frank, but Frank is listening and hears kind of his background and sees like this is this is a good kid, but I'm I'm not good for him. <laughs> like I feel like Frank doesn't trust himself because of how many people have gotten hurt that he cares about. Like he's lost his family, yeah, and it was all to just get back at him, right? I don't know if Frank's necessarily good for anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and he knows it though. That's yeah. why he's like when he says like I'm not it. It's not because he is like, I don't want to be bothered with you. Maybe it is a little bit. But I think it's mostly that he doesn't want people to be involved with him because he doesn't trust that they will be safe if they are friendly with him, if they are friends. So, yeah. And so he he knows the kid and he sees this happening to him. He sees him falling in with this bad crowd. And then he's about to die. And it's like this... This can't happen. He's a good kid. Like, so I'm going to help. then he fucks everyone up. Yeah. And then he fucks up more guys. Mm-hmm. But this kind of screws him over, right? Because then he, he one, he gets seen, like, on we see at the end of that episode, um, on the David character. Yeah. Sees him on, on security surveillance. And uh, then immediately in the next episode, 
Frank kind of has nothing now. He doesn't have his job anymore because if he goes back, then he could potentially get caught for what he had just done. So smart move. Don't go back to the crime scene. <laughs> and um, and so he's like, well, now what am I going to do? Just sit in this diner. And he gets caught up with this David fellow. And then it, that just takes us. It's a complete turn over for where the show is going. Yeah. Like if you were to try and figure out in episode one where like what path the show is going down i don't think you'd ever predict no there really season two there or really episode two isn't a clear overarching story in episode one mm-hmm. it's more just here's this guy he's trying to be restrained but now he's unleashed because yeah. this safe outlet working morning till night slinging a sledgehammer right is gone yeah which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever swung a sledgehammer. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it for more than maybe five or ten minutes. Yeah. Like, I've had to do, like, some some slugging. Well, and that's why it's like that guy at the at the job site, the asshole one that's all like, yeah, you he, don't want me as an enemy. antagonizing him. But, dude, you're seeing this guy throwing a sledgehammer around all Day. Exactly. You're pissed at him because he won't go home at the end of the day. He's doing this for like 12 hours a day. Or more. And you are wanting to see if you could take him in a fight. I wouldn't advise that. <laughs> <laughs> then in episode two, it has a bigger emphasis on uh, Agent Madani trying to get information from uh, Billy Russo working at Anvil the like yeah. the private security mm-hmm. um, to get information on Frank Castle. Yeah. Her being kind of professionally cock blocked by her superior. Yeah. Who's a dick. <laughs> Who's a dick. And it <laughs> kind of comes back around for him by the end of the episode. Yeah. And Frank trying to get the upper hand on, on David. Yeah. On Mike Rowe. Yeah. Terrible name. Which is how Karen came into it because she's the one who helped him. Well, she's the one that gave him everything on who he was and kind of what happened to him and how he's also a ghost of the city. So that's how we see Karen in here. And you know what? It confirms something that I said while we were doing our Daredevil talks uh, about me remembering that she became a reporter, right? Yeah. And then this confirmed that because I was like, I knew it. I knew she became a reporter. She's in <laughs> setting up her new office and stuff. So just had to throw that out there that I, I remember some things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we have, I mean, not really any clearer of an idea of where the overall first season arc is going. Mm-hmm. But we do kind of know some of the major players. Yeah. There's Frank and Micro. There's Madani and uh, An- Anvil guy, yeah, who apparently was friends with, with Frank. Frank. Yeah, I think it's really going to be a lot of exposing corrupt law enforcement and some war crimes and war criminals. Yeah, is kind of where I'm seeing it going. Um, one thing I also have noticed that this show in particular and what the Punisher does really well, like you know, when you're watching something. And the action is just so, like, gruesome Mm -hmm. that the things that you're seeing happen have such a wow factor. But also, like, it hurts you a little bit, too, just watching it and, like, imagining how that would feel. Like, when he's kicking those guys' ass with the sledgehammer, when he's fighting 
the yeah, superior like wolf or whatever yeah in his home how freaking smart he was in that interrogation when he's trying to find information yeah, out about him one bullet in the gun to put through the guy's leg, leg yeah <laughs> and make him think that he's got the upper hand so that he'll be cocky and tell him everything just so that frank can then snap his neck who do you think would be a better interrogator frank or black widow because she was big on the get captured to get all the secrets. Yeah, she was. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that Black Widow, simply because people tend to underestimate her as a woman. Mm. So they think like she doesn't have the physical like Fair. fighting skills to get out of this. Look at this woman I have captured. <laughs> and then that's Fair. their downfall. Fair. Whereas like with Frank Castle, they don't. They don't mess around. They're like, I may have the upper hand now and I'm going to kill you. Um, but they they are fully aware that he's capable of, <laughs> of, of what? Of, of murdering. Yes. And just destroying them. Yeah. So, so. I'm really excited to, to watch more of this because John Bernthal just like beating people up is really fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really liking it too. This is a lot more familiar for me as I'm watching it. Like I don't... It's not familiar enough that I know everything that's going to happen. But as I'm watching, I'm like, all oh, right, yeah, this happened. All oh, right, yeah. yeah. So I feel more confident now. I'm certain I haven't seen season two. Because <laughs> last week when we were talking, I was just like, I have no idea. I do not think I've seen this before. I know I've seen this before. Don't know what happens, but I'm excited to find out again. Yeah, me too. Um, that being said, we did it. Yeah. Last week, we said we were going to watch a movie, and we did it. And surprise for everybody, we saw it a week earlier than expected. <laughs> so that was really awesome. Um, yeah, so first, I think we should talk about our initial like thoughts, reactions to it, um, without giving anything away that hasn't already been revealed in like in the um, trailers and stuff. Yeah. But and then we'll obviously give a spoiler warning and a couple seconds or so for people to ditch and then talk about the movie just, the just more, the entirety. Deeper intricacies. Yeah. So first of all, I want to say that I absolutely loved this movie. Batman mm -hmm. has always been one of my favorite heroes. And I think even possibly the hero that kind of well, him and Spider-Man both. I grew up just absolutely adoring yeah. So I love this portrayal of Batman. Um, I did see something on Twitter that I quickly want to mention. And it's just kind of like an overall feeling about it. And it was something about it being a hot take. But this person felt that this Batman movie is better than any MCU film. Okay. And, uh, and I think that's not really fair. <laughs> I think that's like comparing Jurassic Park to Land Before Time. <laughs> right? Like, they both have dinosaurs, but they both have completely different purposes. And I think that the MCU and, like, DC stuff yeah. and the Batman, they're, they're heroes, sure, but they have different goals, right? Yes. And so to compare the universes, I don't think is fair. Excellent film, very mature. It was, it had a lot more satisfying things action-wise and, like, mystery-wise yes. than what the MCU provides. But I don't think that you can Yeah, I feel like that, that, that's not a hot take. That's just, like, a 
saying something to be controversial. Yeah. Because the MCU has a lot of movies that are tonally kind of similar, but there's just a lot of different types of movies. Mm-hmm. Whereas like this, like it's a thriller. Yeah. So if you love thriller movies, yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. But if you like just having a good action movie or a comedy or like a feel good movie. Yeah. Maybe it isn't. Yeah. Either way, you're going to have good movies. Right. But uh, yeah, that's just saying stuff to making a hot take to get a lot of clicks. A lot of attention. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know why. Here we are talking about it. So. (laughs) Well, you know, there's, it's a long debate. Everyone has always debated. We were in the drive-thru for Starbucks <laughs> before this we went girl. before we went to the theater. We were a little early and this was going to be a late show for us. We were going to the nine o'clock show. So we're just like, I'm usually falling asleep on the couch by nine o'clock and I'm going to have to sit there and watch this movie that's going to go to like 12. So let's get some caffeine so I can hopefully do this. Yeah. And she asked us you know like what we were doing we told her and she's like oh like are you marvel or dc it's a it's a like forever long debate that dc or marvel which one are you yeah and i have never been strictly one or the other i don't prefer one more than the other i appreciate them both for their differences and they both provide separate things and i don't agree that they can be comparable absolutely why People are a lot Marvel versus DC. But when I look at my comic book shelf, there is a huge variety Mm -hmm. because they're different. Every hero is different. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to sit and compare a Green Lantern comic to an X-Men comic because they're different. Yeah. Yes, they are Marvel and DC, but one is a space cop and the other is just this view on society like segregation basically Mm -hmm. mixed with people with powers doing dope shit yeah so they're they're different just fundamentally so comparing them is garbo yeah but can i talk about that girl at the starbucks drive-thru you can a little bit a little (laughs) bit she was like she had to be like 16 and just like the flightiest clueless person that i have ever encountered (laughs) do you like marvel or dc better i don't really know i don't have the attention span for movies well you have to also take into account that when we told her we were watching the batman first first remark was like oh that's a long movie and that that was funny for me because then she's like good thing you're getting your starbucks now and later after the conversation had finished i was like kind of replaying it in my head thinking that i think we were on different pages (laughs) because i think her saying that good thing you're getting your starbucks now is like oh it's gonna be a long movie and we're gonna be closed by the time it's done so good thing you're being proactive and getting it now i took it like good thing you're getting it now because you're gonna need the caffeine to stay up for the three hours and uh, I think it also showed the age difference because like 12 <laughs> o'clock for her is probably nothing, right? 12 yeah. o'clock for us, we are passed out snoring. So um, that was funny for me. My favorite thing that she said was, oh, are you excited? Yes. It's like, no, I am fucking dreading 
going to see this movie. <laughs> Opening weekend. <laughs> I can't believe that we have to see this. It was just, it was insane. Back to Batman. Yeah. I really want to talk about well, Batman. And there's also a, another comparison thing. Okay. We were talking about comparisons and then you want to talk about the Starbucks girl. So I let okay. you. Okay. People, before I saw it, were saying that they were comparing it to The Dark Knight. Remember, it was probably Thursday or Friday I saw something that was yep. like, that it was comparable to The Dark Knight. And that I was kind of nervous that people have now put that comparison thought into my head because I personally love the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the story of it. There are obviously a lot of flaws in the movie that I was just like, if I'm going to be really picky, this thing I didn't like, or I didn't like this actor, or something along yeah. those lines. But for general story, I loved the trilogy. Yeah. So I was nervous because I was like, I don't want to go in thinking that like my favorite Batman movies are being compared to this because then I'm already, you know, I have a higher bar for yeah, it. Yeah, because then you'll be watching it through the lens of, yeah, but Dark Knight did this. Exactly. Instead of just taking it for a fresh new take. Right. And that being said, I actually liked this one more. Yes. Like, the Dark Knight had a very, it was still kind of a lighter tone for a dark movie. Mm-hmm. And... It was more chaotic energy. It was still kind of exciting, just chaos happening in the city. But yeah. it wasn't like torture. You didn't see a tortured soul in Bruce Wayne or Batman, which you definitely see in this film, right? Yeah. And this, just like the tone of the movie is much more like dark, gritty, thriller, horror, mystery mm-hmm. that I loved. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because it is a like the new the new hotness or whatever and i'm gonna have to wait until i can see it again to kind of fully make my opinion on this Mm -hmm. but i think robert battinson is my favorite batman yeah like this was my favorite batman movie of all the batman movies yeah i felt like the tone was different enough from all of the other batman movies that i didn't even think when we were watching it mm-hmm. oh what dark dark knight kind of had this kind of thing or keaton's batman kind of did this kind of thing right it w- i was just invested in this batman yeah and i think like it it blew me away and exceeded all of my expectations yeah even so much as like like, it was just such a different Batman that yeah. we've ever seen before. So much that, like, even even the Alfred was so different. Like, I loved Michael Caine as, as Alfred. I thought he was just, <laughs> like, wine. so gentle and sweet and just, like, a precious soul. He was just a precious little prune. Yeah, and you just, when he was hurting and how much he wanted something better for Bruce, a better life for him, yeah. and you just were like, oh, you sweet thing. This one is also just like a much more rugged portrayal of it, of Alfred, and in a good way. Like, it's just a completely different character, like a different version of the character. So that was also easy to just completely separate the movies from each other. Any other Batman or Alfred or anything. And I liked how... So this was a three-hour long movie. Yeah. That had quite a few different plot points, Mm -hmm. quite like a couple villains in it and there have been other superhero movies with several 
plot points, villains, looking at Spider-Man 3 for the biggest example, where it just turns into a clusterfuck where nothing gets the the proper explanation or like exposition or why. I didn't find Spider-Man why. was like that. Like it oh, had no, a lot no, of... No, not like, not Far From Home. Spider-Man 3. Oh, okay. Where there's like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the okay. original Spider-Man 3. Where there's just, there's so much going on and they don't give the proper time to the different things. Mm-hmm. I felt like each villain that popped up or, had a purpose. or each main character that came up had the appropriate amount of attention, mm-hmm. had an appropriate section of plot points that all wove together very well. Yeah, I and agree. I I think it was, it was just ex- exceptional. Yeah. I would say, like, without getting into it too much, like, our initial thought thoughts, obviously we love it. Um, we love how different it is from everything we've ever seen. Yeah. Each portrayal of every, like, main character that's in this mm-hmm. is so different than what we've seen before, but I so much prefer this portrayal. Even the Catwoman yeah. is, like, Zoe Kravitz did amazing. I love her as Catwoman. This yeah. Catwoman is my favorite Catwoman. Especially with the last one we had being Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. where, like, she just seemed like a too bougie for it. She didn't sell it for me. Yeah, well, and because Catwoman's supposed to be poor, but she didn't seem poor. And I know that she's supposed to be trying to fit in with rich people, so she's not supposed to seem poor. I think the reason why is because Anne Hathaway was also, like, the Princess Diaries. Maybe. So, so it's like you can't like it's hard for me to look at you poor when you were also a princess. But I've seen her in much more things where she actually does the character well <laughs> and I don't see princess diaries. But she also just had this way of her like the whole character for her was just sex appeal. Everything she did was just to be sexy. Whereas like Zoe Kravitz, she used the sex appeal when necessary, but she was also just you know, a person and she was a detective and she was, she also had feelings for others, which Anne Hathaway's uh, Catwoman was very just like her own. Everything was for her own benefit where this Catwoman actually, you know, had friends and cared for her friends and would do anything for her friends. And she just was such a deeper character. She had a lot more depth. Like you said, she was a, she felt like a person Mm -hmm. rather than just, Oh look, there's Catwoman. Yeah. So, should we should we talk about like the goods? I feel like there's nothing else that we can say without spoiling something. Yeah. So now is your spoiler warning to bail if you need to, but please come back once you've seen it. I hope you go and see it ASAP because it's yeah. amazing. I want to try to keep this as organized as we can because there are a lot of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we're going to break it down character by character. And I want to start with the penguin because he is the least of them he has he is an integral part of this story yeah but he really is not important to it which is kind of weird to say he is he's kind of just like a lackey for other people in the story uh-huh. that just always gets caught up in batman's way yeah always coming out on the bottom until the very end when everything blows up and he's the only one standing yeah and it's just like how has this guy who has up until now seemed very incompetent in his mobsterism mm-hmm. just become the last one standing? Like, 
In a way, though, I feel like he is also very competent at the same time. Like, in Batman and Penguin's first interaction, like, Batman's confronting him wanting to know who this person is, which I still think that he knew the whole time who she was. And then Batman intimidates him, like, pushes him up against a glass window, breaking it. That had to be painful, (laughs) but he still doesn't crack. Yeah. So in that sense, he was very capable. Yeah, Penguin just has this very, like, unearned confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, it's admirable because, I mean, to get to where he's going to be, you kind of have to have that. Yeah. Well, and that scene is when he's first kind of introduced in the movie. Like, Batman storms into his club, beats up all of his... his (laughs) like men and then he has this like knife to penguin's face and penguin's just like yeah you want to talk to me and he's all like chill which i thought was incredibly smart yeah to kind of like diffuse the situation all right let's go to my office we'll have a chat yeah kind of thing and he was just so calm even though he just watched this guy just take out his whole swarm of men single-handedly yeah it's it's weird the power he can kind of impose Mm -hmm. when like i said every step along the way he comes out on bottom like how easily did batman get through into his bar yeah how easily did batman like all of his efforts of escaping on the highway how easily were those thwarted honestly the car chase scene was one of his lesser moments of competence because that's where you really see him in a panic and fumbling yeah and and so all of his weaknesses are showing and it's just like how have you run this crime like syndicate yeah for so long (laughs) when you are just a fumbling mess of a person right now yeah and he's just like get my money but then he drives off and leaves the guy who has the money (laughs) instead of being like get in let's go and so it's like you're demanding that this guy get your money for you but you're taking the only car so like (laughs) where's your head at kind of thing but that car chase scene was so cool when he comes through the flames first penguin is like aha you're like not getting out of that and he has that like confidence boost again like i did it look at me i'm awesome and then you just watch as it all like drains from his face as batman's car comes flying through the flames and he loses control of his vehicle batman gets out of his vehicle and his vehicle like the penguin's vehicle is upside down right and i loved this scene so much just watching batman walk towards the car the flames behind him and then when he's right up to the car you see just like his feet and then you just see his head like bend down yeah i can't help but think how goofy it must have looked to have like robert pattinson in that bat suit like it was fairly rigid around the neck Mm -hmm. like bent over on the ground like to peek in to get that shot yeah because it just it looked so rigid and like an awkward like Listen, you like look what you've just made me do physically to yeah. to get you. Come on, man. It was just also kind of like when someone who is way out of another person's like league for physical like limitations and yeah. stuff 
when they try and do something and it's just like hey are you done yet are you happy now (laughs) are you done yet all right and that's kind of the same feeling that that gave me was just like penguin being the one that doesn't stand up to batman's physical uh capabilities and he's like you just made me do all that like are are you satisfied with this outcome was kind of like (laughs) how i took that body language yeah and like penguin i think is an entertaining villain but uh i mean he really is what he was in this movie just kind of like that like like the stooge of a of Mm. a like a lackey for just somebody more competent i think that this movie did allow him to have more potential for like more as a villain later because he wasn't like your goofy danny devito type of penguin no he was a much more realistic less like goofy how else can you describe it he's just he he wasn't as goofy he was the penguin without being a joke yeah but still being the penguin. Yes. Like how it showed him with his heels. Like he yeah. had like these heels <laughs> on at one point. It was just like we kind of had a chuckle to each other in the theater. Like, oh, did you see this? When he's like tied up and I pointed out how he was literally waddling. Yeah. And then you pointed out like, did you see his heels? And I did. And like that kind of joke character yeah. is what he is. But Colin Farrell was amazing. Like, you would never know that that was Colin Farrell if you weren't told. No. And it's... I'm hoping that going forward with this Batman universe, this story has been a learning moment for him on how to go about being better. Yeah. Because if he's going to come and be more... Like, more of an influence in the crime world of Gotham... Yeah. He needs to be better. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like I feel like he's just going to continue to be an ally for the big baddies. Yeah. So I still don't expect him to be like the number one villain of a movie, but I think that he's going to continue to improve in his capabilities as a villain to be better able to assist the even bigger baddies. He's going to be like the scarecrow of the Nolan verse. Yeah. Where he just kind of popped up through the whole thing yeah i agree is is kind of getting a bigger and bigger part in Mm -hmm. it um speaking of crime bosses the next one i want to talk about is falcone yeah because throughout the the riddling process one of the hints was like rat with wings yeah and they were just like oh like a stool pigeon like they first thought penguin penguin, yeah because he's a bird with wings well and the the funny thing is is that when i think of a rodent with wings i instantly think of a bat (laughs) so i don't know i was kind of confused when they were like stool pigeon penguin and i was like no my first guess would have been you like the batman yeah but anyway but then it turned out to be a bit more literal it was the rat with wings like falcon falcons have wings too Mm -hmm. falcone and so it turns out Falcone had kind of gone through this rat process yeah. to get the Maroney crime family, their drug operation, shut down. Right. When really he just took it over mm-hmm. and became the big crime boss of Gotham. Yeah. So we had a couple revelations. One, Falcone and Thomas Wayne had 
some sort of relationship. Yeah. Depending on who you ask, it's different. Falcone said, like, they were tight and he asked me to kill that guy and I did that. Mm -hmm. When Bruce kind of interrogates Alfred in the hospital about it, he's like, like, that guy's full of shit. Mm -hmm. Like, Bruce or Thomas Wayne asked him didn't realize it was going to kill the guy. Felt he was, terrible. It was de- yeah, it was de- he it was an act of desperation. Yes. And so there was this weird family tie. Another revelation was that Falcone is Catwoman's father. Mhm. Yeah, because when there's when they first see each other, Batman is under the impression that there was some sort of a physical relationship between yeah. the two. And honestly, so did I. Like Falcone's a creep. Yeah. And I and the way she reacted, I thought like, oh, he totally pressured her in like either he pimped her out or something like it seemed very off-putting like she creepy, didn't yeah. feel safe. And the way he was talking to her made me feel that he had some sort of power over her, but I didn't understand what. And I just took it the same way that Batman did. Yeah. And so to find out like, no, that's her dad was just like oh, shit, yeah. like, could you imagine a worse father? No. Like... <laughs> yeah, so it was a weird dynamic, and I, not who I would have imagined being cast as Falcone. Mm-hmm. Like, I only think of him as, like, he's been in so many Adam Sandler movies, mm. and it's just not who I would have Imagined, Yeah, but you would never imagine Colin Farrell as a penguin either. That's true. But at the same time, he was so creepy and intimidating. Yeah. Like, I... Bravo. Disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was... It was, a, I think, a great portrayal of Falcone, like, this skeezy crime boss. Mm-hmm. Who... And I like that the first villain that we have is, like, a just corrupt crime lord yeah and it's not like someone with some sort of a power or anything like that it Mm -hmm. was just he was a villain corrupting the city he owned the cops he owned everything the mayor like everything the city was his and he was just turning it into a toilet (laughs) like and i i liked that he had a lot more involvement in the in this movie yeah. like his that character so yeah i enjoyed that yeah so the main bad guy of this film mm-hmm. is the riddler and i didn't understand how they were going to make the riddler so menacing to yeah. be like the main bad guy yeah and the opening scene of this movie is just so brilliant because you have the riddler you don't really know it's him yet you know someone's watching this house this family's doing stuff and then next thing you know he's like getting into the house and we kind of watch this guy watching the news and talking on the phone and stuff and then we see the riddler and he's standing there and he's like right behind the mayor yeah and this was so brilliant because it was he they took a like a horror movie trope and they made it actually work. I have never understood watching horror movies how there can be a murderer in your house just like standing by the fridge and you walk past the fridge or open the fridge and you don't see that there's a person standing right there. 
And it's just like, <laughs> how did you not get that? Right? This, he's standing there and it actually took me a minute to notice that he was there and it was startling. Because it's like, if the camera didn't angle in a way that you saw his glasses, you wouldn't know he was there. Yeah. Or like maybe it was the light from the TV. Something reflected on the glasses and then that's when my eyes kind of picked up like, holy shit, there's a person there. Yeah, it was it was nice how they portrayed Riddler to be just this like sneaky, like brute force. Mm-hmm. But he was also intelligent and he had these riddles. Some of them were kind of goofy, like the thumb drive thing. Yeah. <laughs> But some of them were like how the first murder weapon Mm -hmm. led to the clue to the final act. Yeah. Like it was thought out. I was nervous that like the riddles were just going to be like, I don't know, kind of lame. Yeah. Like childish or something. But I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised that the riddles made sense to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And they might not have been like conventional riddles, but they got the point and they they were original, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I One thing I really loved about this and how, and I feel like the Riddler and, the, and talking about Batman as characters, they kind of go hand in hand. And I love that. Like when we've been talking about Daredevil, <laughs> we've been saying a lot about how you have your hero and your villain, they're just mirroring each other and there's a blurry line as to who is actually right, who is doing the right thing. Brittany loves some duality. (laughs) I do. I love it. I love, you know, being on the fence like, holy shit, this villain actually is talking some sense right now and it makes you question your own, like, moral compass in a way. Well, if the Riddler wasn't so murdery, He's got a point. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that because it it gets you thinking, it challenges you, and then it just makes that villain so much more enticing and enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And so I loved how well, like how thought out he was, how planned out everything was. I loved the detective, um, like CSI kind of vibe that that it allowed for the yeah. movie to have. Um, and then that's where that whole thriller, crime... Like, yeah, like the problem-solving the... kind of yeah. riddle-me-this And just how, stuff. in the Riddler's mind, he viewed him and Batman as teammates. Yeah, twisted. It was twisted, but in a way, like, he's right. If he didn't do all this stuff that forced Batman's hand to to follow the clues and to bring these people out into light and to follow the corruption, would the city have ever, like, have ever been exposed to all the corruptness in it? Like, would they have all known that the police force was, like, the majority of it was owned by Falcone? Yeah. Probably not. Like, would anything have ever changed? The mayor would have been reelected, and he is in the pocket of Falcone. So nothing would have changed if it wasn't for the Riddler forcing this change. And then that's where it's like, well, shit, like, right? <laughs> you think, point. like, oh, he's right. Yeah, I also liked how kind of the driving factor of the Riddler was he was an orphan who, and we were watching a video, and I guess it was implied that 
he was the son of the reporter, the reporter that, that Falcone got, killed. Yeah, for so, Thomas Wayne. Yeah. So him and Bruce Wayne were orphaned at the same time. Yeah. But Bruce Wayne had all the money, and he was poor. Yeah. Suffering. Yeah. Starving, living with rats. But because of that corruption, all of those dirt bags were living the good life. Yeah. So they don't know what it's like to suffer or to struggle. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to get the corruption noticed to kind of make a change. Yeah. Like you said, he he was right. <laughs> he was yeah. just murdering <laughs> about it. Yeah. And kind of that going into your duality of him and Batman, unknowingly him and Bruce Wayne, they were they were kind of on parallel paths just in di- different circumstance. Yeah. They're both brilliant. Mm-hmm. They are both like they've both made something of themselves with a mask. Yes. To kind of become this peak version of them, mm-hmm. whether it's Batman or the Riddler to be agents of change. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to see that that kind of yin to the yang. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like I loved it. And like going on to to Batman, he I love just how tortured this Bruce Wayne is. We hardly see him as Bruce Wayne. He is mostly Batman. And like you've said before about how Batman is his true self. Yeah. Bruce Wayne is really the mask. And so many times you see Alfred saying like, you as Bruce Wayne matters to this city too. But he just doesn't see it. He thinks like the only way I can ever do anything is when I'm Batman. Like I am Batman. I could care. I could care less about about Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And it's funny how later on in the movie, he kind of realizes Bruce Wayne has his perks too mm-hmm. because he just walks into that same nightclub without a fight yeah, and goes and talks right to Falcone. Yeah. And he kind of using his billionaire privilege yeah. to get into those spots that Batman can't. Mm-hmm. So to see kind of the acceptance of one to the other. Yeah. Bruce Wayne is still his mask. Yeah. But seeing that going from that perspective of what's the point of being Bruce Wayne when he can't do anything yeah to okay I guess there like there is a reason for me to carry on as Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. too yeah and I love how like I said tortured he is like you said before about how he's this is the first Batman we've seen that's actually like put on the black around his eyes or, and leaves yeah. it on when the cowl's off yeah that's and, the thing and when he's like that when we see him in the cave after he's out doing detective work he takes out these really awesome contacts that are also cameras <laughs> and he re-watches everything then documents everything in a journal and he's doing all that with this black around his eyes and he really just looks so broken yeah and well, it, it's y- good you know what they say like when you're going into a gunfight you wear red so they can't see you bleed mm-hmm. yeah well Batman has kind of adopted something similar to that. He puts black all around his eyes so you can't see how tired he is. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? Like, I just made that up. I'm I, clever sometimes. I don't believe <laughs> The other thing about this particular Batman that I really enjoyed is just how 
clumsy he is and still kind of figuring mm. things mm. out. Like there's so many times where he is kind of fumbling around and bumping into things or tripping over things or he <laughs> has this like parachute and he smacks into the bridge and just like he eats it wipes hard. out. <laughs> yes. And I or there's that scene where he's escaping the cops and he's running up the building and he runs out of the building and he sees how high up he is and you see the fear in his eyes like oh shit I almost just fell off this building completely unprepared yep. and it's just subtle little moments like that that remind us that this is just a man and I love that that's the thing I love about Batman is that he is just a man out fighting crime and so when they actually incorporate those small details yeah it's ma like humanizing him it just makes him so much better. I like that because this is year two of him being Batman. Mm -hmm. When most people think of Batman, it's like in the comics or animated shows, he's prepared for everything. Yeah. But he at that point, he's been doing it for years. Right. This, he hasn't built those strategies of how to prepare for things. Mm -hmm. My guess is after that initial like running to the top of a building and holy shit, this is high. Instead of like prep the wingsuit jump and like hit a bridge he will come up with something that makes it so run to the top jump off and, and you're it good. will come out yeah. yeah yeah so he's he as he finds these things that he's unprepared for mm -hmm. he comes up with a solution for it right but in year two he just hasn't yet because that was probably the first time he's been run off the top of a building yeah <laughs> <laughs> So it's nice to see the like the small details of showing the inexperience mm -hmm. but still capable mm -hmm. Batman. Yeah. So when Batman's first introduced, mm -hmm. we get his his iconic line of I'm vengeance. <laughs> As and he beats the shit out of a guy. Yes. And a couple times actually in the movie, he enters the room in the same way. You just hear his footsteps on the ground and it's very like eerie. And mm -hmm. you see him emerging from the shadows and he just calmly walks in and confronts the situation. And it's just amazing. <laughs> anyway, the whole I am vengeance thing. This is something, again, that I've never seen in Batman because in the previous Batman movie that I have enjoyed, he has always been a symbol of hope, right? We yeah. see him in The Dark Knight where he kind of is like, no, I'm taking a break and everybody's right, like drawing the bat symbol everywhere, hoping that yeah. he'll come back because they already see him as a symbol of hope. In this, we get to watch him actually have that internal struggle of like wanting to just instill fear in people and using fear as power. Yeah. I am vengeance to I need to be more than that and I am going to be a symbol of hope instead. Yeah, well in that first scene where he saves the guy from these like like the clown-faced guys, mm -hmm. the dude he saves says, don't hurt me. Yeah. Like he hasn't just instilled fear in, in bad the guys. villains. Yeah. He instilled fear in everyone. Yes, yeah. And you kind of get that in his opening monologue, too. He's talking about how when the bat symbol turns on in the sky, it's a warning for everybody yeah. that he's coming, that he's out, that you don't know where he is, where he's going to emerge from. And so him emerging from the shadows is also 
really amazing. We had just seen so many people doing just petty crimes, right? Like one guy robbed a corner store, sees the symbol in the sky and is like, oh shit, kind of like shocked and stops and doesn't know what to do. We see someone you know vandalizing something yeah and same impact he's like oh shit like is he gonna come out and get me yeah all these people look and there's like a dark alley or an open door with Mm -hmm. darkness and they're just like the darkness is scary yes because he could be in there he could be there and then you like you said you see him slowly walk out of this dark corridor yeah and then just utterly kick the shit out of them exactly and yeah he's just a symbol of fear and there are two pivotal moments to his character development in which he starts to realize that being vengeance isn't enough and he needs to be something more than that Mm -hmm. and the first is when alfred gets injured and he has that realization that he doesn't fear death and he thought he had overcome even just the idea of fear and he had embraced being fear as himself yeah but then when alfred was in danger and in the hospital and they weren't sure if he was going to pull through or not he realized that He's afraid of people that he cares about dying. Yeah. And so that, I think, was important for him. But then at the kind of closer to the end, the Riddler had just had his final, like, huzzah. He blew up all the things and the city was flooding. And Batman's fighting some of the Riddler's, like, goons, posse, whatever. Yeah. And, um... And he gets hurt really bad and Selina kind of comes to his aid and kisses him and whatever. But then this guy starts to attack Selena. So he gets up and, you know, he fights him. And this bad guy says the same words that Batman did in the very beginning, that he is vengeance. The bad guy's like, I am vengeance. And I think that's the moment you kind of have this this scene where Batman is just kind of taking that in. And it's just on him for an extended moment of time right yeah. i remember it just showing his face and you can almost see just in his face that he's realizing that if what he says about himself is true about him and this low life that's hurting other people and hurting people that he cares about then that's not good enough like i Absolutely. need to be better i need to do something more for this city and for the people in this city yeah and so then he does his kind of final act of heroism and cuts the wire and falls into the water so that they don't all get electrocuted and then proceeds to help them and guide them out of the building. Yeah, and it was nice that it started with the kid, like the son of that senator, who yeah. he saw and was like, this kid had his fa- like father killed and then all this trauma, and he related... And, like, there was that bond. Well, and he repeatedly saved him. Yeah. But that kid took the first step that showed everybody else, like, mm-hmm. I trust this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and nice. then from then on, you see him just being embraced by the people of the city that he's trying to protect. And it was yeah. kind of, a, it's a really nice way to conclude his journey. Yeah. Then um, the last thing that I want to talk about is there was kind of the final con- confrontation between Batman and the Riddler mm-hmm. in Arkham Asylum where the Riddler's going on about Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, and you you truly have the feeling that he is about to say, like, I'm going to tell everybody about you. Mm-hmm. That but he then, knows that Batman is Bruce yeah, Wayne. But then he, he turns it around me like, but he's the one that got away, and I'm sorry we couldn't get him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we we did our best. And... It 
like kind of leads to the question, does Riddler know that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it's, it's very likely that he does. We were watching Screen Crush, as we always do, because uh, if you didn't know, he's the best video breakdown guy. He is, yeah. Um, but he said that this beautiful line where the Riddler probably knows but has no intention of telling people. Because what's the point of a riddle if everyone knows the answer? Yeah. There's no point in a good riddle if yeah. everyone knows the answer. And just the way he was saying Bruce Wayne in that very, like, taunting yeah. voice, it makes me really sure that he does know. And I know that that's the point of that scene. And then it quickly changes. You see Batman kind of, like, he's not sweating, but you'd imagine that he must be, like, sweating <laughs> thinking like oh shit this guy knows who i am yeah but then he's like then he like you said changes it like oh we didn't get him he got away i still am not sure that he doesn't know that he didn't put the two together like with all of his digging how intelligent he is i think that he does know yeah and it's funny how many of batman's villains do know but don't care because there's a, a comic where I can just think the Joker knows that he is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Or has had the opportunity to learn that he is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't care. Because what's the point? I think also all these villains know that the same as what we've been saying and everybody else has kind of come to say yeah. as well. That Batman is who he is. So it doesn't matter. Like it's Bruce Wayne is the alias. So they don't care. Yeah. Like, I am dealing with you now because this is who you truly are, is the man in the mask. Yeah, so our question to everybody out there, does the Riddler know that Bruce Wayne is Batman? You guys can let us know on Instagram or Discord. The link is in the description. Thank you guys so much for joining this week as we talk about all the good things about Batman. We hope that you enjoyed the movie as well and you can let us know in the Discord, as Ben said. Please don't forget to download this if you haven't already and we will talk to you next week. (music) 